0: Bring is that you?
1: Hello everyone and welcome back to Pixels, a show where we talk about video games and how fun they are and how wonderful everything is in the world of gaming and how there is absolutely no, nothing to do with the pandemic except for our first story and that's it, probably, mostly. Uh, but it's going to be a fun show. We're going to be talking about Sony's plans for the release of PlayStation 5, uh, as estimated by Bloomberg, from what they've heard. We're going to be talking about some delays, Final Fantasy Seven Remake, some other games that also exist, and a bunch of other things, uh, rumors, the launch of Stadia Base, which... Again, Stadia is incredibly disappointing in everything they do. But uh, I'm Patrick Beja, and I'm joined by Ed Mitchell, who's coming back to tackle all the things. How's it going, Ed?
0: It's good. It's good. You know, if there's one thing that uh, this whole COVID pandemic is, is good for, it's staying inside and playing video games a lot. So
1: <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and that's what we try to do. And I did play a lot. Well, I mean, I have a kid who isn't going uh, to daycare. So a lot is uh, to be qualified with that <laughs> little caveat. Um, I played a lot of uh, Final Fantasy uh, VII Remake. And I'm spoiler. I'm really liking the game, and uh, there's a couple of other things, other waters and Iron Danger, which you were you've been playing, which you're going to be talking yeah. about. I think you might have mentioned uh, when you were here earlier another time. Uh, maybe Iron Danger. I don't know. It rings a bell, but Other Waters. I have no yeah. idea what it even is. Actually, but, I
0: think uh, that's right. I, I played it originally at at PAX last year, and I think I might have mentioned it on the show
1: that we did right. after that. Mm-hmm. So we'll you'll tell us all about both of those, and uh, we'll be talking about a bunch of things. And let's get started with the one sad-ish news of the past couple of weeks, and that is the delay of The Last of Us Part Two and Marvel's Iron Man VR on PlayStation 4 um, due to COVID-19. It is... Um, not because the game is not ready, which is the most frustrating thing in all of this. The game is ready, but uh, they decided for logistical reasons to delay it indefinitely meaning they don't have a date Uh, i think it's because they don't want to give a date and then have to change it because everything is so uncertain at that point but um, the the reason why this is delayed the most reasonable explanation is i think that they um, for a big game like this it is one of the major uh, first party releases of this generation if not the biggest one and for these games You get a lot of your sales from actual stores physical stores it's not like you can just put them online and whatever it's fine of course many people already purchase things online and many people who wouldn't have might do it if they didn't have a choice but let's say 50% of the people buy it online anyway uh, and download it Uh, another 50% would buy it in a a physical copy and half of those so 25% would go back to buying it uh, digitally that's still 25% and these are made up numbers, but 25% of your sales is not insignificant at all, even if it's 20%, even if it's 15%. And for big games like these, it, uh, it, it it is. they are aimed at a very wide population. It's not core gamer games, even like, you know, Final Fantasy VII might be considered, even though it's a big game like these are, uh, fi- uh, um, The Last of Us Part Two is a huge thing, and and uh i think that is the reason why they're delaying it they might fall back on a playstation 5 launch title like same time as playstation 5 maybe we don't know they're they're going to sell it Anytime they decide to put it out, but um, uh, kind of countering this argument is Iron Man VR, which is not a huge thing, but maybe they, they count on people going uh, to buy VR headsets for Iron Man VR, which is from the, the things we've heard a pretty good game. So maybe that would explain it as well. No word on Ghost of Tsushima, which is supposed to be coming out at the end of June. It's a little bit later. The Last of Us Part 2 was supposed to come out at the end of May. So they have a little bit more time um, to see how things are happening for Ghost of Tsushima. But uh, yeah, it's a little bit of a bummer. But mm, what do you think? Are yeah, you sad? I'd-
0: See, I mean, of course, I am. The Last of Us is a fantastic game, and I'm one of my favorite games of all time. Um, I think, I think the one thing that that you didn't mention is like the supply chain logistics of getting the discs, like printed and shipped and stuff like that. That's all like in a toss up right now, and so I think that that has a heavy impact. Like, even if stores were open, I think they would have trouble getting the amount, the 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 numbers to those stores, uh, because right. of all the supply chain, um.
1: Or one, one thing you could do in that configuration, you could uh, start shipping early, as as quickly as you make them, and set the date a little bit later, but then you yeah. get leaks and people who manage to buy the game anyway, so it, it's more difficult to control, and then you get people who have it, people who want it, who can't get it yet, so it becomes very messy, and even that right, kind right. of breaks the wave of your overwhelming success that you kind you ride that wave to increase and have a snowball effect um to get even more sales so yeah that that might play a role as well
0: yeah and as far as iron man VR, i think that since there was like no mention of that in 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 the report as far as like that it was good to go or whatever i think it's just it was a little bit further out of its development That's time possible. or or people were gonna crunch a little bit more to to get it done uh, and now they can't yeah. do that as easily, I guess.
1: Yeah, I guess we'll see what happens there. Um, hopefully it won't be too pushed too much. And I guess they can't push it too, too much because then PlayStation 5 is out. Although maybe they have a PlayStation 5 version ready to go as well, or it will be by then. And uh, they can dual release it, but then they would lose the My, my suspicion is they will push it to like September. Because if there is a resurgence of the pandemic, it probably will quiet down during the summer, we're hoping. And if it comes back, it would be during the fall. Um, And so September might work, I guess, but this is a completely uneducated guess. So I don't know. Uh, we also have news from playstation five i 'll get to the uh, launch report from in in just a minute, but we had a, reve- a reveal of the controller the dual sense they 're abandoning the dual shock. Uh, series naming convention and they're going to dual sense um the th- there was a blog post it was revealed in a blog post which was a little bit surprising but since then we've heard that it's probably because they couldn't do a full press conference to um reveal the full thing and the developers have started getting uh the device and so there would be leaks probably and they were trying to get ahead of those so blog post and um the blog post was published like two hours before the uh, Microsoft's uh, Xbox Insider, which was a little <laughs> bit funny. I, I don't think it was malicious, but maybe it was a little bit of a dig. Um, and what is important about that controller? It is dual tone. It has two colors, uh, black and white. I think it looks pretty good. There's a, yeah, I
0: think it looks good.
1: Yeah, it looks really nice. It looks futuristic. It might uh, <laughs> age a lot quicker than other designs <laughs> because of that. What we consider now to be a little bit sleek and futuristic. In, in you know, five years, we might look at it and think, ah, that is so 2020. <laughs> um, but <laughs> what, it has a, a little lining of color in uh, the design, which uh, create which stands for the, uh, what's the name of the light bar thing for the previous the, controller? The uh, light I think it's the, the light bar. The touchpad? Yeah, so it's on the sides of the touchpad, which is still there, so it will be compatible with all PlayStation 4 games. Um, And it has, uh, yeah, so other characteristics. Integrated mic, which I think is pretty cool. It will enable everyone to participate in voice chat. Of course, there's a button to um, turn it off if you want to. It might also mean that we're going to get some kind of PlayStation assistant or some kind of voice commands more... um, Prevalent in the system, it's possible. Uh, there's also adaptive tension triggers, which will, we had heard about this in the Wired article a while back, but it will simulate the tension of, for example, the example they give all the time is a bow. If you pull right. the bow, um, it will become harder and harder to pull the trigger on the controller which i think could be a really cool effect and they also have what they call haptic feedback which it's still unclear if this is different from quote-unquote hd rumble from the switch uh, joy cons which are pretty underwhelming it's really just rumble (laughs) so it remains to be seen if that will be significant on the dual sense or if it's just you know, different degrees of rumble, which in the end kind of feel like rumble anyway. Um, but yeah. we'll see if it if it manages to create a different experience, uh, the reporter from that Wired article seemed to seemed to say that it was an interesting effect and that it did work and that it was pretty cool. So we'll see. And uh, But the other thing to note is that the uh, PlayStation 4 controllers will probably work with PlayStation 5 consoles because none of these seem to be completely uh, mandatory aspects of the device. If you don't have no, them, you it. can still control it.
0: It's interesting the uh you know that that story that came out about the the release of the like rear uh like switches or buttons that like an attachment to the uh, DualShock Four,
1: right? People the, were like, the, spec- oh, how they called the paddles the back paddles.
0: Yeah, the paddles. Yeah, yeah. They, people were speculating that the PS Five controller would have those like na- like kind of quote unquote natively onto it. Yeah, I was, that was sure why that, they released really. that, but. I mean, this thing doesn't seem to have that at all. So I'm kind of yeah. curious about like what their what their plan was with that, I or maybe it was could...
1: if they considered it and they developed the attachment uh, in parallel right. because they wanted people to be able to get it, um, and then they bended it and they had the attachment ready to go, and they were like, maybe we can make a few million dollars on this, so let's yeah. just launch it. Yeah. I, I guess. Um, but it's cool you know you will have the controllers sold with the console and with all of these things, some people are speculating as well, there's no colors on the buttons or really anywhere on the controller anymore. And some people are speculating that there might be some backlighting happening there. So that's another uh, thing. Yeah. It's it's a complete speculation. It might not be the case. But uh, even without that, the controller has a lot of technology. It might be a little bit more expensive even than the DualShock 4 was, which is starting to be quite expensive. Uh, but then at least you have the controller. So So, every um, player, every owner has all of the technology needed to play all the games, but you also can use your PlayStation 4 controllers if you have like a two player game or something like that. So, you don't have to absolutely have to buy a second controller uh, right off the bat. So,
0: I think the most in demand feature of the DualShock or the DualSense controller would be the battery life, because I think a lot of people complain that the battery life on the DualShock 4 is atrocious. Um, it's so bad i saw i saw some meme the other day that said that uh the reason why you have a second playstation 4 controller is so you can charge it while you play with the other (laughs) one that's the only reason you get it it's not to play a second player game so (laughs) Uh,
1: well we i have to admit it's very rare nowadays that people play at least in my environment and maybe my age group that people play with two you know you have two people catch co-op or combat Uh, uh, nowadays but yeah the 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 battery life is so bad on those controllers it's like i don't know seven to nine hours something like that right um and they didn't comment comment on this specifically but i really hope it's better than that like it it is like the, the xbox controller is great for that uh aspect i mean it works on removable batteries which of course you have rechargeable batteries for that Uh, at least i do and everyone should but um it's it it is really bad i hope it's better um and the big uh, report from Bloomberg that was just published today, I'm going to summarize it uh, as well. Uh, basically, the pandemic is not apparently affecting the production capabilities of Sony, but, uh, I mean, that might change, of course, down the line, but it doesn't seem to be affecting it now. However, um, the the other thing to take into consideration is the power increase in uh, since, you know, the, the the generational leap, which was fairly low last generation, but this generation is much more significant. And so the price of the components is higher because of scarcity. Essentially, everyone wants uh, RAM and uh, they want the latest RAM and that's going to be a problem for everyone who wants that RAM. Um, and so Sony is going to have to set a price that it pro- is probably higher than the um, price l- launch price of PlayStation 4 and so they're considering producing less of the devices because uh, higher price means of course less demand. Uh, The price is estimated to be between uh, around $500 to $550 with the note that uh, they might eat up some of the um, cost and price it at $450 instead of $500 and that is the case for the Xbox Series X as well. Um, the cost, according to this report, should be in a similar range, and with the eating of the cost from the manufacturers, they would both end up being at 450 bucks. So, how much, how many viewers, how many viewers, how much viewers are is Sony uh, planning to produce for PlayStation 4 at launch back in 2013? It was 7.5 uh, million units in the first six months. Um, For PlayStation 5, it seems like the range would be between five and six million units for the first three months or so for the uh, fiscal year ending March 2021. So we estimate roughly five to um, six months. So it is a significant uh, decrease, but it's not like there's only going to be 200,000 devices, right? Right. I, I think this is a decrease that means everyone who wants one will probably be able to get one uh, without too much difficulty if, you know, the supply chain doesn't get disrupted. So um, that is the key takeaway from there. That's how I read it. Now... um, Yeah,
0: there's there's a lot of things that go into those numbers too. Like, uh, I think they're also considering like economic fallout to the virus. Like people that don't have jobs and stuff can't afford to buy ps4s or ps5s rather and stuff like that i think i think that has a has a weighing on the numbers as yeah. well
1: yes of course of course that is a, a big factor i'm sure um it, it should be noted that there they are themselves noting um it's if microsoft ends up pushing the release of the uh Xbox Series X Sony would follow suit with the PlayStation 5. There's a competitive thing there. It seems Microsoft is not in that uh mode right now, but who knows? Yeah. It's it's very possible. There absolutely is a world where they both kind of look at each other, put the guns back into the holsters and go like, "All right, let's chill out. We'll <laughs> delay it by 6 months. It will be much better next next spring." And uh, yeah, it, it might happen. But the other thing to take into consideration is revenue. And the end of fiscal, uh, the fiscal year, if you pushed back that huge uh, release, then you're going to have a lot less revenue. And that is not great for um, the, the stock market, which, again, is not in a great shape anyway because of everything <laughs> that's happening. So I don't know if, how much that plays into it, but I guess at least some um yeah so what what do you think about all of this that like the price the the numbers are you worried uh yeah
0: yeah so the one thing that that you didn't touch on was uh this article has a graph that shows like the the cost comparisons between the PS4 and PS5 and Xbox and series mm. X and it shows that the they put a lot both the PS5 and series X both put a lot more money into the storage right. of the 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 storage costs of the console like compared to the memory cost. And so it'll be interesting to see like how people feel about that because the, the PS five and or PS four and Xbox one were had a, had a fairly small amount of disk space uh, considering these games are getting bigger and bigger every, every year. Um, Like my PS four can barely hold just red dead on it, (laughs) you know? Um, So I'm, I'd be curious to see, kind of like how that storage cost weighs into the, the final price. Because uh, I think they both kind of are thinking about putting SSDs in there. And if they both go with one terabyte SSDs, that, that kind of explains the massive yeah. jump in storage cost.
1: Yeah, and it is very uh, expensive SSDs. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the chart shows the comparison between the memory cost and the storage cost. On the previous generation, it's essentially two-thirds... For memory and one third for storage. Of course, it was traditional hard drives back then. Now it's right. completely reversed. Not only is the memory cost much higher. Essentially, the memory cost for the new generation is equivalent to the entirety of the cost of the previous generation for memory and storage. And uh, on top of that, you have to add double of that cost for the storage alone, which, yeah, that, I mean, I don't think that has a big, you know, it doesn't weigh into people's uh, purchasing decisions, that right. like they don't care what costs what inside the box. They care about the price of the box. But uh, it's certainly interesting to note. It's super. The SSDs are really expensive. It's like a hundred and fifty bucks just for the SSD. Um, right. For uh, like straight up cost. So that's a lot.
0: Yeah, and, and I mean the 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 price is is a little expensive. I think for uh but like I, I don't know you mean the you're 450
1: getting, to 500 bucks
0: yeah, yeah 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 uh you you're getting you're getting a pretty high powered machine for for that price you know mm. um and i mean there's always going to be people that be like yo you can basically get the same thing for way cheaper uh if you buy, like build your own pc or whatever but um i don't know I, I think i mean they're not going for that market right they're going for the more uh I don't want to say casual, that's not the right word, but like... Oh, the, the console the,
1: market is more casual. Although, in, yeah, yeah. This, I mean, in this case, I don't think you can get, a, a ch- you can get it cheaper as a PC. It, it is very expensive and we're at the launch of it, or actually we're six months before the launch. Um, it is, uh, you know, I, uh, I have a friend who calculate, calculated the cost of a, the equivalent PC. Um, I think it was like, was it over a thousand bucks? I think oh, wow. it was okay. like it's 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 very significant. Um, back for the launch of uh, PlayStation three and uh, four and uh, Xbox One, we were around the seven hundred bucks, something like that. Mm. Now it's almost okay. double. So those are you're right. Yeah, and they, they are have the benefit very of, like, powerful. Economies of machines. scale, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and down the line, you know, in in two years, you'll be able to to build a PC that is more powerful for uh, uh you know fraction of that price but those right, consoles right. have to uh, honestly if they manage to stay at around 450 bucks which will probably end up being 500 um euros or you know if they the, if they stay to fi- 450 euros i think that's fine it's 50 bucks uh 50 euros uh more expensive than the previous generation For the amount of power increase, it is kind of insane. And I think 50 bucks is is still very reasonable. If we start getting to the $500 price range, that's a significant, uh, it, it weighs much more significantly. I think if it's 450, some people will decide not to get it that would have if it was $399, of course. But um, there's still a majority of people who want it who will get it. I think if you reach the 500 or, God forbid, the 550 dollars price range, then you start getting people who wanted it who won't get it. Right? I think it's a significant difference. But
0: Yeah, I mean, the I, I think I might might walk back what I said a little bit because uh, the Xbox One when it was originally released was 500 dollars. Um, so ha- having the the next generation of consoles come out at the same, like, at, at that similar price point, like, that seems appropriate to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, well, that was because there was the, uh, the Kinect in it and they, they, they had the whole catastrophe of Kinect and then walking it back sure. and yeah. Uh, wasn't and there a version just, without Kinect at launch as well? I can't remember.
0: No, there was not at launch. It took a month av- to... It, it, I think it was longer than a month. I think it was a oh, couple, uh, like a half a year maybe. So I, I also just looked at the, uh, the price of a $400 item back in 2013 or 2014, whenever the PS4 came out is now uh, that, that similar price is now $450 or $440. Mm. So like the, with inflation, it kind of makes sense that the price goes up a little bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's not how um, potential. Not purchasers how it, will say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure um all right that's about it i, I personally i will bet it buy it no matter the price because you know it's my job and oh, yeah. so i want it but i guess you're in the same boat
0: <laughs> yeah i mean I, I don't know if i'll i'll bite on both of the consoles right. first thing i'll probably have to make a make a decision based on like kind of what i what i want out of the exclusives and stuff like that but yeah it's it's going to be a probably a day one purchase for me mm,
1: yeah i'm guessing most of the people who are listening to this the if it ends up being 450 it's really not a question for most people because we're right. dedicated gamers um 550 i think will get a few people to rethink their things 500 <laughs> maybe a little bit as well but um. yeah all right, uh, let's talk about Microsoft just a little bit before we move on to the games we've been playing. Um, the xCloud beta is available in many European countries, France, Finland, a bunch of others. So I, of course, registered immediately. I'm hoping I'm going to get the uh, access fairly quickly. Um, it is only on Android devices, though. You can't stream to your TV yet, and it's only a, a small number of games. So it's really still in testing phase but I'm very um, I'm heartened by the fact that they are still uh, you know they're they're continuing their testing I'm hoping we we will see the uh, service um, hopefully hopefully start with the launch of the series X we'll see what happens there and there was a bunch of things in the uh, insider video nothing honestly earth shattering or even earth trembling uh, but um, there there was more information of on Grounded the survival game when you're a tiny you're a tiny thing in an insect world which looked cooler than I thought it was going to be it's the game from Obsidian it's releasing in early access on July 28th Gears Tactics is coming soon Sea of Stars looks pretty interesting it's a retro uh, 16-bit era rpg um called uh, oh did i say sea of stars and From the it, makers
0: of the messenger
1: yes there, there you go and which, which was pieces. a great
0: fantastic game
1: that came yeah out I, I, I i played it a little bit it's in the same world as well uh, i played it yeah. a little bit the, the messenger was i think more 8-bit and it was a completely different type of
0: uh, it was movie. 8-bit yeah. for the first part of it
1: Aha! You're you're spoiling a little bit. Uh, and then Sea of Thieves is continuing the its its updates and uh, fighting the good fight. So if you like that, that's cool. Anything that caught your eye in all of this?
0: I yeah, Sea of Stars. Uh, even Gears Tactics kind of kind of raises an eyebrow for me. I'm I'm interested to see like kind of I I I'm waiting and watching for that one. Like if if it gets really good reviews, then I, I probably will pick it up because. I do like the, those turn-based tactics games.
1: The, uh, Gears tactics, right. Yeah. Um, by the way, did you see that there's an XCOM coming? They just like announced it yeah. in, in tiny... It's coming uh, uh, in like 10 days. It's uh, XCOM... Renegade? XCOM... What is it? What's it called? Chimera. There you right. go. Chimera Squad. Um, yeah. It's, it, it feels like a new XCOM game would be a bigger deal, but anyway um yeah so the the uh, gears tactics sea of stars both looked pretty cool i don't think they're my jam but um they look pretty cool grounded was surprisingly intriguing i think and since this is all on game pass again the wonders of game pass so i'll probably give one or two of them uh a try and we are back from the freezing of ed's computer (laughs) uh so i was asking you're you're not playing final fantasy 7 remake i was a little bit uh, surprised
0: i i am going to play it it's downstairs in my package room uh waiting for me because it, it was a ride a few days late um for me mm. just because of the
1: so, all the other out of spite you were like well i'm not playing you now <laughs> well Since it just late. came
0: yesterday so, uh, <laughs> so i just okay. haven't that's fair I, I just haven't gone down and gotten it yet <laughs> Uh, We're doing, like, social distancing stuff down here, too. So I can't even go to the package room after hours. Like, I have to do it during main hours.
1: Oh, okay. All right. Well, um, so I've been playing it, and honestly... It is. I am very surprised. I'm sure, you know, everyone listening to this has heard that it is being hailed as a great success, uh, often unexpectedly so, because it seemed like a, uh, a, a daunting task and, and attacking something that is this emblematic is always difficult. Uh, Final Fantasy 7, for those who don't know or remember was a watershed moment in gaming history at the very least in uh, role-playing gaming history the Japanese role-playing game genre was extremely um, well known and popular in the small community that the gaming community was back then and Final Fantasy was it's uh, sort of it's the best of what it could be And Square, which wasn't Square Enix back then, decided to forego Nintendo and make a deal with the PlayStation Devil to uh, change what gaming, uh, what role-playing games could be. And we went from the 16-bit era of the Super Nintendo, which was, of course, you know, wonderful... Little pixelated graphics that we love today, but which weren't uh, progress back then, even though they were really great, Um, and into the world of CD-ROM media and everything that could enable not only CD-ROM, but of course, 3D. And as boxy as the models look to us today, and they very much are, um, it was revolutionary because the backgrounds were incredible and the uh, cutscenes were amazing and all of that. And so that was the, the, the most memorable experience that many people had on PlayStation and certainly for role-playing games for that era. So remaking something like that is a very daunting task, especially if you don't limit yourself to making new models and having the exact same thing with the same systems and the same um, scenario and everything. And what they decided to do um, is to reimagine what the game could be if it was designed today. It's a true remake. It's not just a remaster. It is many, many changes of the game, including the main combat system, which is the main aspect of the game. Um, the, The other thing that should be mentioned immediately is it is only it covers part of the original game, the part where you're in the big city of Midgar, which is maybe five to seven hours in the original game. The original game was maybe 40 to 50 hours long. Um, And in this Version They have extended the beginning part to a 40, 30 to 40 hours game experience. So they added a bunch of things, some side quests, uh, some additional storytelling narration of uh, side characters, and uh, a, a lot of things to make it a lot longer. So th- that already was a big reservation for a lot of people. Um, but in spite of this, everyone seems to be loving the remake, and myself included, I was very skeptical until maybe a a few months ago, let's say last uh, E3, but um, I started getting hopeful uh, this these past few months. Of course, we should mention that when the game was announced, was it, what was it, 2016? 2017, mm-hmm. 2016, something like that. It was we were certain we would not be seeing this until (laughs) 2022 or 23, if at all. Um, And
0: it was like announced alongside uh, not maybe not announced at the same time, but Final Fantasy 15 was also like in a similar announcement time frame, I think.
1: Yeah, the Final Fantasy 15. They, maybe it was a year before. Um, yeah. It was the the 15 was kind of a rebranding of versus 13, which took so long to make that right. they decided to. Um, but yeah, and and um, the anyway. So what do I think about the game? It is great, as I've said. I think there are three main pillars of the game. It is nostalgia is a big part of it. Uh, definitely Um, the graphics are in parts of the game stunning like literally stunning and in parts of the game kind of disappointing but the stunning parts and the the feeling of being which ties into nostalgia being in those environments that uh, you couldn't really explore in the same way back then Seeing them now is kind of amazing. The models for the main characters are incredible. All of that. And then the third pillar is the gameplay system. And the active time battle system, which is essentially a refinement of the system from Final Fantasy XV and Kingdom Hearts uh, III, it really works. And the changes that they've brought uh, to this iteration of it are absolutely efficient. I like, I think for most people, you can't wait to get into another battle to have that system a little bit more. There are maybe I'll I'll spend a little bit of time. Yeah. I'll spend a bit bit of time explaining it. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Yeah. I was just going to comment on it real quick. Uh, I, I played through all Final Fantasy 15 and by the end of that game, the uh, the combat system was getting kind of kind of boring a little bit. Like you're basically just button mashing a single button and maybe dodging occasionally. But from everything I've heard and read from uh, the remake, it sounds like it's uh, it's an improvement in every single way.
1: Did you have the staggering system in Final Fantasy fifteen?
0: Uh no, but the staggering system was heavily featured in the thirteen series. Um, okay, thirteen, thirteen two, and then Lightning Returns. It's right. Played so I played through those too.
1: Yeah, so I guess that that's why a lot of people reference that one as well. Um, right. So the way it works is you you control one of the characters from your party, which your party is limited to three characters, and the others are kind of doing a little bit, but not a lot actively. They're not inactive, but they're not incredibly, like they're not going to change the course of the battle. So you control one of the characters and you can do action active things like uh swinging your sword at an enemy deciding which enemy you're going to attack and all the while the more you attack and get damage your active time battle bar fills up and you usually have two sections of that bar and for each section you can do an action. So you bottom mash if you want to and then every few seconds you can decide to do an action which can be use an ability, cast a spell, use an item, things like that. So when you do that you pause the game essentially. It goes into super super slow-mo. It's not completely paused which is pretty cool actually because you still have to make a decision but you have a lot of time to make that decision but you can't just put the controller down and go away because the battle is still going. Um, and you you can do that every few seconds. And you can also decide to do that for the other characters in your party which are not controlling directly, which means you still have to take a part in deciding how they... Uh, act in the battle and you can also switch uh which character you control so there's already a lot of active strategy in there and you can uh, decide how you're going to create your build with i'm not going to go into all the details but the materia system is still there you can uh, customize your weapons with uh es- essentially what is a spec tree, um, which starts mattering a little bit more down the line you have different uh types of um uh uh, of items and equipment all of that good rpg stuff and so you decide how you will approach the battle and then you have to take an active part in it and the other aspect is that staggering thing which we just mentioned Um, different enemies have different types of vulnerabilities. And as you know, this is also a very common aspect of JRPGs. If you um, attack them with something they're weak to enough, it will put them in a state where they're more vulnerable. And so it creates a lot of different strategies and things you have to do. And so there's a very good mix between the turn-based, uh, aspect of it and the active aspect. And it works, it gels together super well. Like the, I say there are three pillars of the game and I believe there are, but one of them is like 50% of the enjoyment and that's the <laughs> battle system, which is really great. I would love to see like just action games use that more, more action games like games based on that system. I think they have a real gem there and they have to, st- to keep iterating on it. it. It it works really well. So I'm very happy about awesome. that aspect. Yeah. Um, there are, it, it's not perfect. Um, I was thinking about how to describe the game um, for the show. And I think what I, f- I, I ended up on was, a game with double uh, A ambitions but triple A execution. The double A ambitions—it's—it's it's still a lot of uh, one-way hallways. There's a lot of that. Like it's essentially a one giant hallway. You don't have an open world in any sense of the word. You ha- you have side quests that are very side quest-y. not unenjoyable. I, I'm really enjoying them, but they're you know you understand their side quests and they're. They are padding, enjoyable padding, but padding still. Um, you have, sometimes you're going to, and you're going to see something that is like very badly textured <laughs> and you're like, whoa, that, that right. doesn't look good. Um, and it, it's very sectioned off. Like the game you have now, you're in this section and now you're in that section and it it is a at the the border on the ambitions on the design of the game between double-a AA and triple-a you know there are so many AA japanese games japanese gaming companies have found themselves in the AA genre you know things like uh devil may cry resident evil 2 remake like a bunch of other th- of things like that which are Great, great double A verging on triple A titles, but they're not as ambitious as the big Western productions. This one has the soul of a double A title with triple A execution in all of the graphical prowess and um, the length of it and and all of those things. And um, it is a great game, but some aspects of the Japanese-ness of it are a little bit... Uh, iffy for me there's Mm. things on the game design standpoint there's things like you know it's it's on that double a aspect of it and because it's an rpg most of the interactions the cutscenes are scripted and the animations are you know they create a kit for each character and you have the motion the animation where they're like uncertain of something of something or like wagging their finger at you and one where they're laughing and it's like they're chaining those animations during conversations mostly and, and it doesn't quite fit and especially since there's a lot of Japanese-ness um, which I'm fine with I, I've said many times I love Japan I've been there many times I've lived there for a while um, but it is still a, it looks a little bit off and it's there are three aspects that i think exemplify this very well the first one which has been discussed before is the -the over-the-topness of barrett like he is angry black man stereotype as seen from the japanese lens like it is uncomfortable at times he's like mr t without the nuance which is funny because mr t has no Nuance. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So there's that. Um, The character of Wedge is again a very common trope in Japanese culture and and uh, popular culture. It's the fat dude, which it doesn't really bother me as much. I don't, you know, I'm not very uh, attuned to the issues of the uh, overweight community. But I've heard more than one person saying. It's really uncomfortable with Wedge being his only defining characteristic is that he wants to eat. That's all he is. he he's he hasn't eaten enough. He's eaten well, so he's happy. He's running on fumes. It's like, all right, we get it. And And when you don't know Japanese culture and how prevalent this is, it's almost like watching something about America and and not understanding why there are so many guns. Um, well, guns are a big part of American culture in some areas of the uh, of the country, and it's just part of it. And if you look at this from the outside, you're like, "Dude, they really like it. Really like all of." The-. And and this is the same for the 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 fat person. There are not many fat people in Japan for a number of reasons, but yeah, Wedge is the fat dude, uh, and there's of course the uh, scantily clad women which Tifa even though her breast has been her, her breasts have been reduced in size by the square ethics committee which this is a real thing i'm not joking she is scantily clad and she's not like she's all timid and like i had that conversation on twitter and a few people told me yeah you know i get where you're coming from but it's true to the original which is Completely fair. And some people were telling me, you know, here in where I live, which is a lot of the southern part of the US, it's completely normal attire, which I get, okay. But it's not like, and some people were saying, oh, she's just a strong woman. She can dress like she wants. And like, I understand that aspect. That's not what this is about, though. This is the remake of a game from the mid-90s where the design was, let's make eye candy for horny teenage Japanese boys. And it is, at least to me, and I've heard from a few others, it is a little bit um, unnerving to see her. Like, she's walking around in the middle of, I don't know, imagine, well, I'm going to talk about what I can, what I know, like Paris or New York or Boston, like these places where people are dressed in suits or t-shirts and and jeans like it's not the beach and it's not you know i don't know florida you're not like in in the uh, or in the arizonian desert like it's a regular place everyone is dressed normally and she's walking around with those super short shorts and like this this uh top that is anyway it women can dress how they want but in this case in particular this is this was designed to be for horny teenage boys, so and it it shows at least for me in my experience. So those little things are like,, eh, this is really a Japanese game, but even though I did spend a little bit on of time on this because I didn't want to you know not mention it. It is still an amazing game and it's not deterring so much from my enjoyment of the game. I'm about 15 hours in and I, I can't wait to play more. I'm really, really enjoying it and I never thought I would. So, yeah, it's cool. Uh, anything, you I, I sort of uh, interrupted you from interrupting me a couple of times there. Did, <laughs> was there something you wanted to add?
0: No, I mean, I I think the only thing that that I would add is that uh wedge didn't have much to his character in the original game either so like ha- having his character be boiled down to the fact that he's he's a, a a fat person to like kind of uh kind of like is in line with the original game to me uh and i agree with, with most of what you're saying about tifa too because Aerith is also in the game and is not dressed as uh scantily clad as you as you put
1: Yeah, Aerith, you know, Aerith is is interesting because she's a bit different. And I think they were uh, the translators or even the the people at Square were aware of all of this. And they keep having the women say, oh, I'm not a princess in distress. You know, you don't have to save me. And yet (laughs) Cloud saves them. Every two minutes, like, I'm exaggerating, but there are many instances where they're like, oh, I'm gonna fall, whatever will I do? And Cloud is like, yes, I will catch you, or he doesn't say anything, because he's (laughs) the strong silent type, but he catches them, or, you know, situations like that. So. It's not i mean it's fine again i'm not trying to get up on my s j w horse even though i am in s j w but it's it's not i'm not saying oh it ruins the game i'm just saying it's noticeable you know and right. um right. and and aerith she like a- another thing which I, when she runs it's just the animation it shows what which society this comes from, and i mean japan as society when she runs mm-hmm. imagine how you would caricature when you tell someone oh how do you think a a, um, a weak six-year-old girl how do you think she would run and she's like her arms all over the place and her feet going up in different directions that's how Aerith runs you know she's like she she doesn't run like a human she runs like the caricature of a weak woman would be imagined to be running in uh that context it's uh, right, you know right. it's small things it just doesn't ma- matter all that much but it's notis- noticeable and um yeah still the game is awesome i love it i'm i'm amazed that they pulled it off i can't wait to see what they do at the end to kind of open it up and then, and at the same time i have significant dread uh because i i, I fear that we won't see the rest of the adventure anytime soon. And if we do, it won't be the full thing. Like how many episodes is this going to be? Three, four? How, uh, can they do the breadth of that thing that came out in, in uh, 95 or 97, was it? Um, with the the quality of what they're doing now with this very small section of it, it, it would be like almost impossible. And if they expand, like they, they're not going to expand it as much for every part of it so i don't know it is it is a mystery and a wonder and it's amazing and i love it and also i'm a bit scared of what's going to happen next so
0: yeah i've been spending some time uh kind of in the lead up to it playing the original on the Mm. switch
1: i want to do that i want to go back and play it now
0: yeah and so i'm about to drop a bomb here but especially because i have actually never played the original okay uh so i i I played i have played final fantasies one through six and 13 and 15 so i there was a big gap in my in my consumption of final fantasy and so i've been uh playing through the original and and i'm still in midgar kind of pretty early but uh, um it's 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 kind of good you know so there might be something to this whole uh, final <laughs> fantasy seven cult of people that like that love it so much so
1: <laughs> yeah i also it's... like how you can
0: fast forward you can uh like increase the clock speed by three times so you can uh get through the get into the battles faster and get out of them faster and stuff like
1: that. Oh yeah I, I heard about this. How do you look so what what does that affect?
0: So basically it just makes the game run faster. It's like it's like when you're uh if you've ever like emulated a game and you hold down the space bar to to speed up everything. It just makes okay. it all all go faster. And so right. it it makes there is an animation that happens as you enter battle that is really slow for like today's uh like tendencies and so like I just happen every time I go into the battle I press the button to speed it up so it would just get me into battle faster
1: <laughs> okay Ah, uh, you you say battle with Final Fantasy 7 and in my mind I hear that music <laughs> and the way it's redone oh so much so much awesomeness and the music in Midgar and the opening intro oh that game
0: Yeah, they've never Uh, shied away from good music in that series, that's for
1: mm -hmm. sure. All right. Uh, That is it for Final Fantasy VII. A good amount of time, deservedly so. Uh, So tell us about In Other Waters and Iron Danger.
0: Yeah, sure. So um, In Other Waters is, I don't know, did you ever play Subnautica, um, Patrick?
1: I played it and I didn't. I'm one of the only people in the world who didn't like it. (laughs) okay so this
0: this is has a similar premise as subnautica where you're like kind of trapped on an alien planet underwater um but the the way you play it is completely different instead of like being first person and you're walking around gathering things you're actually kind of a uh oh you're like the ai of a robot or, uh, or of the suit that the person is walking around in, and you have to control her and show her like where to go, and you do that by like scanning the areas around you by uh, using your little radar thing. And I put in the in our little chat here the, the screenshot of the UI, which I tweeted on my uh, on my Twitter account. But uh, okay,
1: this is very minimalistic.
0: Yes, it's very minimalistic, but the but the control scheme. The buttons are, are there enlisted, and, and you can you can get rid of them if you want to. But like the controls are very uh, intuitive, where you you are basically going through scanning the area around you, uh, using the right right control stick to decide where like what you want to scan, and the left control stick kind of decides where you want to move. And you're you're move you're using the the UI to kind of move yourself through, gather things uh, around you, and then uh, you can then use them use those items to kind of traverse the world as you discover more things about the world. And so it's kind of a cool thing that the, every time you scan a plant or an animal, it gives you a little bit of description of, of that plant or animal. And then eventually after you have this scanned it enough times, the person that you're playing as will like name the thing and then catalog it. And then on the ship, once you like finish the full like discovery and catalog of, of that uh, animal, then It'll actually put a little sketch as if the person had actually drawn out the what it looks like. And so, I don't know, it's, it's kind of a cool little game. It, it, little elements of Metroidvania where you're like discovering uh, new abilities and st- and new items that allow you to uh, traverse places that you couldn't before or, or get past uh, things. Like an example, at the beginning of the game, you get this ability to you're like completely surrounded by these like stalks of uh kind of underwater bamboo and so you can't actually traverse through those areas until you get this item that allows you that if you gather it, it if you, and you throw it at the stalks it'll like explode and then all the stalks will recede so you can walk over it so just kind of like a cool little minimalistic ui game and uh and i'm still pretty early in it but it's it's been a lot of fun so far
1: cool all right that sounds yeah. like something that is not for me but which i'm happy (laughs) you're enjoying in Uh, other waters
0: yeah in other waters um and then the other game i was i've been playing recently uh is called iron danger and this is a uh kind of point and click uh action rpg kind of like diablo or whatever the 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 only the thing that kind of breaks it apart is that it's um turn based in a sense and time and you control time by going forward and backwards on this little time scale uh you have like these things called heartbeats which is like a half a second uh on the scale and you can go through 7 seconds of time and so the way it works is that you can uh you you move by clicking around on the map and then if an enemy attacks you you can at reverse time back to before he attacked you and choose to block during that half second time frame um and so you're constantly like getting hit and then rewinding time and then trying to figure out how to block or move out of the way of the enemy attack and then you can attack them and stuff like that and that and your moves and attacks take a certain number of heartbeats to to act on to and so just kind of like a little bit of a mix of an action rpg plus tactics at the same time and it's a very unique concept that i haven't really seen in a lot of games before so um I'm having fun with it. It's a little bit of a slow burn, slow moving crawl because you're constantly getting into combat, uh, rewinding time and, and taking your time through the combat uh, scenarios. But it's, it's been a lot of fun so far. So I highly recommend both those games.
1: Is it, are they both on Steam or?
0: Yeah. So both of them are on Steam um, and then I've been playing In Other Waters on the Switch.
1: Okay. All right. But Iron Danger is not on the Switch. No. Mm-mm. Okay. All right, uh, I'm I'm a little bit curious about Iron Danger, but uh, I think okay. I'll go check out the something on on YouTube um, to get a yeah. clearer image of what it is. But all right, uh, and you you haven't been playing uh, Resident Evil Three. I've heard no. good ish and bad ish things.
0: <laughs> I've heard it's very, it's short than it's shorter than RE2 was, and that has right. been kind of disappointing to people. But it's it's still a beautiful game, and and you know the they they seem to love the remakes over there at at capcom when when it comes to resident (laughs) evil nowadays so i guess that kind of leads into the next story but uh
1: yeah yeah. it's so yeah it seems it's it's uh it's less of a success first because the um the the novelty has worn off a little bit. It's very similar to Resident Evil 2, a lot more action-oriented, which is rubbing some people the wrong way, uh, but also shorter because you can't replay it. Uh, but yeah, it seems there is another one. I, I Last week I was saying, I guess now they have to go to Resident Evil 8 and, and continue the series properly, but uh, maybe not. They might be uh, preparing Resident Evil 4 for 2022 and uh i i I mean resident evil 4 still had tank controls tank controls but it was a lot more modern than the other two so i don't know how interesting a remake would be i wonder if it if it isn't gonna fall into that resident evil 3 Bucket rather than the Resident Evil two remake bucket, which uh, I guess we'll see if it comes out in twenty twenty two is what we're hearing now i'm I'm sure they're working on both in parallel. I'm sure they're working on eight as well. but uh, would you be interested in in a remake of the fourth?
0: yeah, I mean I, I so funny story. I actually played the fourth for the first time back in December for a like twenty four hour uh, marathon stream uh and maybe not the best way to play that game but um that game is actually fairly long so i i'd be interested to see if if, if the it if falls in the same trappings as R re3 because mm-hmm. i think there's a there's a lot there um to kind of like y- even with some improvements make it a a, a little bit scarier and, and and it gets it gets very actiony at the end and it's kind of a, a slog there at the end so and people generally do not like the the last, I guess, quarter of that game. So um, I think there, there's I think
1: opportunities they, it, to remake. Those. Yeah, there's
0: opportunity. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, so, something else I wanted to mention real quick yeah. is uh, Iron Iron Danger is based off of Finnish folklore. Uh, so oh. with, with a little bit of steampunk mixed in there. So th- I don't know if that, that raises your interest even more.
1: <laughs> yeah, a little bit. A little bit, actually. I'm going to make a note here I know, to... Uh,
0: I know my audience, Patrick. <laughs> uh,
1: someone who doesn't know their audience is Phil Harrison. I, <laughs> you know, Phil Harrison, if I'm not mistaken, presided over the launch of PlayStation 3, one of the worst console launches in history... Over the launch of uh, Xbox One, one of the worst console launches of his in history, and over the launch of Google Stadia, at what point do we start saying that Phil Harrison doesn't really know what the hell he's doing? And maybe you know, maybe it's completely different. He might have a good, you know, uh, uh, he knows a lot about what he should be doing, but there's circumstances, and he's managing, you know whatever he can the way he can i don't know but am i right was he at at was he at at sony for playstation 3 yeah. yeah i'm yeah. that's that's he, he, the case right
0: he did a bunch of public like demonstrations and stuff like that when it first came out and then yeah right. he was at microsoft as well uh during the release of the xbox yeah one
1: what how <laughs> anyway um <laughs> so I mean, he um, he was executive vice president at Sony. He was... Um, what was he at? Microsoft? I think he was uh, even higher up than that. Can't remember. Anyway, yeah, so... I- Yeah, it doesn't matter. Bottom line, Google announced that the free tier of Google Stadia is now available to anyone who has a Google uh, Gmail address. Essentially, everyone in the world can now access Stadia. Of course, you don't get, you know, you still have to buy the games, but you also get two months of Stadia Pro for free, which means you have like 10 games that you can play right now and you can play as long as you have a decent connection which honestly many people where the um, service is available have then you can you don't need anything you just go to stadia.com and you can start playing it is magical and most of the time it works pretty well and yet no one cares why <laughs> well in part because we have other things to worry about and other games but also in part Because what the hell is Google thinking? What was this announcement? It made about as much noise as a tree falling in a forest with no one around to hear it. It was horrendously managed. It was just a blog post, essentially. And it was like, it's available now. Like, they didn't have any ramp up, any buzz. No one who was invited to, to, I don't know, like journalists to showcase something about it? Like nothing, nothing. It is horrendous. It's the worst way of launching such an important product I've ever seen. And if you you sense some frustration in my voice, it's because I'm really frustrated by what they're doing. I mean, I don't care. It's not, you know, the 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 reality of it is the technology works and the technology is going to be used by other players actors in that space and so it's not like i care about google succeeding there but it's such a waste it's such uh, ed explain to me how that makes sense because it doesn't
0: i don't know man i have i did, did why well, i was skeptical of stadia for, from the beginning i mean there's the elements of like streaming gaming in general which works some places and and, and doesn't work in other places uh does it work
1: for you or or not at all
0: It does. It does. Um, I think I, so I actually played stadia at at PAX. I played doom, the new doom game. Um, And it, it was a little rough. Let me put it that way. Like Mm. the, it, it would, you know, doom is a fast paced like shooter. Right. And so you need a quick control, uh, response time. And so I, I was feeling like the response time was just slightly off. And so when I was playing it, and so I, I don't know, I, I don't want to make that a full indictment of st- streaming gaming with shooters, uh, p- uh, especially, but it, it definitely rubbed me the wrong way. Um, also, it crashed like two or three times. Actually, it might have been four <laughs> or five times while I was playing okay. it. So that was also, also interesting. But um, I don't know, there, there's the other element of like Google, if, if their projects fail, they, they tend to just kind of shut them off, you know? So like, there's and a the little fact that of you
1: of to consumer
0: to- wear there.
1: Yeah, the fact that you need to buy the games there means that that, if if you have a subscription and you're playing the games as long as you have the subscription, yeah, you lose your saves and stuff like that, but it doesn't feel like you've lost something. If you buy the games and it goes away, which I don't think it will, but still, I understand that. But you know, I understand all of this. At the same time, I'm going to do it live, okay? I I launch a uh, browser window, I type Stadia, enter. Now the website is loaded. I'm going down to, let's say, Samurai Showdown. And I press play. And there you go. The game is launched. It's it's like, I don't know. It, it's crazy. Okay, the game is still launching. It was the opening <laughs> thing. But now the game is launched. It's, it's a little bit... Uh, such a wasted opportunity anyway it it doesn't really matter um it doesn't matter it is one bit of news that is frustrating but that's it amazon is apparently jumping into that uh, game streaming future um as well so we'll see how that goes their project is called uh tempo which is interesting. Uh, Well, not the name, but the fact that they are definitely, we suspected they would, but cloud gaming is coming from Amazon as well, it seems. Uh, They've delayed New World, their uh, MMO, but Crucible, the competitive shooting game, is coming in May, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, A bunch of little tidbits. Uh, ESRB and PEGI, so the American and European game rating boards, have um, created a new label to clearly indicate if a game includes some loot boxes. And they have different names for them, but that's what they are. Previously, they had uh, created a label which indicated if the game had in-game purchases, which was essentially useless as uh, things relate to loot boxes because all the games have (laughs) almost all the games have in-game purchases and that does now they are finally making loot boxes which i think is something that was coming and it's good that they're doing it and at least now people know
0: yeah it's like the original purpose of the esrb at least in the states was to like they didn't want the gaming industry didn't want the government involved in regulation of gaming and so they created the ESRB as kind of like a way to stave that off. And so every time the government gets in a little bit of a tizzy about like certain gaming stuff, like they were with loot boxes, it's nice to see the ESRB come in and be like, "Uh, wait, 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 we'll we'll just put, go ahead and put it on the on the label so that you don't you guys don't have to get involved. It's okay."
1: Yeah, it was fairly similar in Europe for for Peggy. Um, I wonder, however, why they did it now and not when the big thing was happening, because now the government has other fish to fry. Um, and yeah. I don't know why now, like literally two days ago, they they started <laughs> saying this, but I guess maybe they heard rumblings about some senators still wanting to do it. But Peggy announced it the next day. So I think there was some consultation there and saying, I think we have to do it at some point. And, and it's so ridiculous. Why did they not do it earlier? I'm sure there are some political things like politics within the um the the big developers Gaming and industry. publishers there yeah, yeah. but it's That's li- what I was like gonna say. <laughs> it will change nothing it's literally a label on the warning thing that says includes random uh items or something for sale like it's it's the smallest thing but you know it it at least now if you're looking for the for the ratings you can you can know what the games include which is which can be useful you know i don't buy that idea that children are spending thousands of dollars and ruining their their parents by buying loot boxes i don't think that's the issue but i still think it should be mentioned and now it is it says include in-game purchases parentheses includes random items close parentheses so now we know uh things are looking better at rockstar and uh jason Trier is reporting on that he made a big report a year and a half ago when red dead redemption 2 came out about the working conditions at rockstar which were pretty horrendous and uh it's one of the um conversation starters or conversation restarters that uh, made the discussions about crunch and working conditions in the gaming industry resurface and become very prevalent. And, you know, I, I really like Schreier's uh, work ethics. I think he is extremely militant and he will let you know what he thinks should happen. Um, and and that is completely fair. And I think it's important But he's also incredibly um, objective about the way he reports. He always sees if there are two sides, which there aren't always two sides, but often there are, and he will be very clear in explaining that this is how some people view things, this is how he interprets things, or usually in the reports he doesn't talk about how he interprets uh, things, but he's very objective. And... In something like this, it is a uh, essentially the way the article reads is a little bit cautious, as of course everyone should be, but it is a celebration of how Rockstar has shifted uh, the bad behavior that they were um, uh, uh, taking part of in the past. And uh, the people who were in contact with Schreier have been telling him that they are now reconsidering their plans to leave that they had made because of the uh, attitude of management and things like that. There are people who were let go, essentially, because of their bad uh, managerial skills. We've all heard about all of this. Dan Hauser actually left. It seems it might be related to that. Um, A bunch of other things. I'm not going to go over all of it, but essentially... Things are looking fairly hopeful at Rockstar, and it's the, the the slightly what's the opposite of a silver lining, like the dark lining, <laughs> um, is the fact that dark they cloud. are the dark clouds. Uh, that's a little bit more ominous. But it seems Rockstar <laughs> is uh, reevaluating the scope of the games they're making because it is impossible to make such ambitious games without having, um, working people to the bone. And so there, there, it seems the next GTA, which is still, you know, very early in development might have a smaller scope than something like Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, but that's, you know, interpretation and rumor. And, but, uh, I mean, do you, do we need the bowls of the horses to shrink in winter is that the level of (laughs) uh ambition we need in the games i don't know i don't have the answer but um it's it's very interesting it is fairly uh positive of course we're not in crunch period so things might change but uh it is a uh positive sign and i hope we're going to get more of those in the coming months and years for other studios that were um Pointed at as being bad actors in that uh, respect.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's great to see the kind of impact that that like strong journalism can have on an industry, you know? Mm. Yeah. Um, and just the fact that such a scathing uh, review of Rockstar turned into something that's good, it, it just, it just uh, kind of gives you the warm fuzzies inside, you know?
1: I agree. I think, you know, this is I, I know a lot of people, uh a lot of people. Some people in some communities are placating gaming journalists. And this is there is no better example than this. And maybe you know, as Schreier, if you're you want to read this like the wrong way, you might say, Oh, Schreier is trying to show how how, how much good he does and how powerful he is. But right, I don't think that's why he does it. He's very um He's very involved and implicated in those topics. Uh, and, but the fact is, he didn't single-handedly make this happen. It wasn't just him. There were maybe you know, a handful of reporters. But he still had a hu- the biggest part in all of this. So it, right. it's fair. Um, and, and whatever, the people who would say that about gaming journalists are the ones that would hate Kotaku for what they do anyway. So they don't really understand anything about all of this. And there's also another report about uh, not so great about Gearbox and what happened there, also from Schreier. Um, So the situation at Gearbox is that they are paid less than the industry average, but they get a lot of bonuses because uh, when when they ship big games. And that kind of over makes up for it. It's like common... uh, my understanding is that it's not uncommon to have six figure bonuses and like it, it, yeah. it is things like that people bought will... houses with their exactly.
0: bonus they got for Borderlands too.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, they heard a couple of weeks back that uh, even though they were promised big bonuses, now they're not getting them. The game sold really well, but it seems the reason for this is on the accounting side, uh, Gearbox invested a lot of money in other things like side studios and stuff like that. And so there's not enough money left. All of this is bad enough, but on top of it... Um, um, oh, what's his face? Um, God, the, the president of Gearbox.
0: Oh, oh crap. Uh, yeah. Ready to
1: Thank you, Pitchford, whom I already had reservations about. I mean, can go back and listen to previous episodes. There are many a reason to be uh, reserved about Pitchford. But he got last year like 12 million bucks on a bonus for something else, which again, accounting wise, it's probably a separate pool. But it doesn't help. And people are, uh, at Gearbox are pissed off, understandably so. Um, so, yeah, that's not... That's especially now like what are you going to do you're going to leave gearbox and and find another job in the middle of the pandemic that's it is a really shitty thing to do and i don't know how much pitford had to do with it i'm sure he was involved in the decision making process he's the boss there uh it's it's crappy
0: yeah I, I think one thing to keep in mind is that the the profits for uh the game were are supposed to be split 60/40 so 60% goes to the company and 40% goes to the employees. And so they announced like last pay period or the pay period before this article came out that the, that Borderlands three had officially become profitable. And so people were like waiting. they were like, okay, that means we get our, our first royalty check soon or whatever. And then they, they met them and they got all together in a room and just like, were like, you're not getting anything. Sorry. And, uh, so-
1: And of course, (laughs) profitable is, you know, that happens in every artistic industry. It's like, you know, however much we can put in in the expense column, that staves off the thing being profitable. And that's where the opening of another studio or I can't remember exactly what it was, but like the money was spent on other things that are counted as expenses when, so it's like, yeah, sure, it's only profitable now. Maybe it sold a little bit less than it, it, you were hoping for, but it's still, it was a big game. It sold well. And I mean, it's a shitty thing to do. Anyway.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: All right. Uh, quick succession of little tidbit news of news tidbits. Uh, World of Warcraft Shadowlands may, may have a Nodo Battler mode, which is an expansion of the mission table. Uh also the gamepad settings on on wow I that's weird. I'm sure it's not like the f- game fully playable on gamepad, but there are some settings to enable commands to be made on gamepad. It might be an accessibility but, thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, so like Final Fantasy uh 14 um you can play that on consoles. I know it's, it's not it's built for that, but like right. the way you select the way you select like different uh, commands is by using the triggers to kind of to, as a like alternate alternative ability uh, ability mm. so uh, so if they kind of have that kind of built into the ui and and stuff like that i think i think it could work
1: yeah and uh maybe maybe we'll see i don't think it, that's what it is but uh, there's also ray tracing reports of the things that like i would love to see world of warcraft and ray tracing that's the reason mm. to get a new graphics card that's why you do it um Riot has, there's been a lot of talk about uh, Valorant, The and I look at it as a, um, a, a an Overwatch fan. The conclusion there is it is not for me. It is, we all thought it was very much uh, Counter-Strike. <laughs> it turns out it is only Counter-Strike. It is a Counter-Strike clone with a little bit added on top of it. And I'm sure it's going to be very cool. And, and the Counter-Strike crowd is going to be, which is, very large, is going to be very happy to move on to Valorant. But uh, yeah, I don't think it's going to be for the general public. Um, uh, the, the, if you're an Overwatch fan and looking at that, it seems like it's not for you. The pros might have a different opinion, but... Uh uh cellar door games announced rogue legacy Two. cd project is saying that cyberpunk 2077 is still holding for september uh cd project is apparently used to working remotely so that doesn't change a lot for them uh we're getting a crisis remaster for those who uh, enjoyed it back in what was it 2004 or
0: seven yeah something right.
1: like that um Warzone, Call of Duty Warzone has 50 million players who signed up in the first month. That's as much as um, Apex Legends. That's a lot of people. Uncharted Collection and Journey are free on PlayStation 4 right now. So go get them. You keep them forever. If you get them now, I think it's for a couple of weeks, a little bit more. Um, What else? The E3 has dates for 2021 and gamescom will be digital only this year uh gamescom is canceled essentially it will be digital we're gonna get something i hope we're gonna get lots of demos and uh yeah that's that's about it anything out of all of this that uh interests you
0: yeah the i mean the rogue legacy 2 announcement is super exciting i i love that first game mm. um it, it it's almost the perfect road like for me uh i think some one thing to note is that if you have the uncharted collection and journey on playstation plus you cannot get them for free uh or like as a permanent buy uh on the store it's just it's just not set up for that so you have to actually like submit a ticket to sony to get them to remove it from your account so that you can then get get the free version Oh, so. that's why it marked so, it
1: as purchased already on my right. system
0: yeah, okay. so just something to keep in mind for if if you want to mm. if you want it permanently, that's that's how you have to do it. It's a little bit of a hoop you have to jump through, but mm. um, maybe if it, maybe if there's enough tickets that go in, then Sony will like change their process so that it's easier.
1: Um, yeah, I think they're gonna wait until. You know, so uh, everyone put Plus. in a ticket, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't care enough and I know I'm going to be a PlayStation Plus subscriber until the end oh, of my life, no. so I'm not going to do it. Uh, I, I have don't, more. Don't tell things.
0: Sony that. Don't tell Sony okay. that. That'll, all right, make, all right. uh, that'll make them uh, not do anything.
1: <laughs> all right. So that's noted. And yeah, uh, I mean, Rogue Legacy was basically what repopularized uh, roguelikes, back in you know a few years ago so i'm curious to see and there are interesting changes in rogue legacy 2 uh uh, that are coming as well it's coming fairly soon and in early access is it or Mm -hmm. am i mistaken i think that's the case um and wait maybe not maybe not early access i thought confused yeah maybe
0: maybe not the first game wasn't early access so maybe i think they just put up a, a banner and said it's a thing they didn't really give any extra details to it so okay i don't know right oh yeah it's
1: it's this summer and it's not early access but it's this summer announced for pc only so we'll see what happens there okay all right and i guess that is it for this episode of pixels thank you so much for being with me ed uh from home sheltered and safe and uh where would people go if they want more from your side of the gaming world
0: yeah, so if you can follow me on Twitter at, at Edesis. That'll be in the show notes, I'm sure. Uh, and then the if you want to follow kind of more of my goings-on uh, related to the website that I work on, it's fourplayernetwork.com.
1: Excellent. Thank you very much. For me, it's Patrick Beja, not Patrick, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Go check out my Instagram. It's pretty cool. And um, if you want to comment on this episode, it's at frenchspin.com and that's it we will be back in a couple of weeks with a new episode until then stay home stay safe wash your hands uh don't touch your face and uh be good we'll be back to talk about bye